Inspired by a pastime for washed-up celebrities, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast that watched all of the Police Academy movies in order. When he was born, he was so ugly the doctor slapped his mother. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Thank you so much to my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, who uh, makes the opening of every episode a more interesting experience than it might otherwise be. We are so happy to have you joining us. And with the reason we're happy is because we're spreading the word about Medicare. We're proselytizing for people to become my clients. When you're approaching Medicare and you need to get some advice, some guidance, and some Medicare uh, insurance plans that are going to help fill in the gaps and the flaws in Medicare, then I'm the guy you should look to because that's what I do for a living. I help people step across that line from Obamacare to Medicare and uh, to a, a brighter and happier future. That's the whole goal. Now, how do I accomplish that? Well, I ask people to read my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever. And people ask me, who is this lazy man you're talking about? It seems like you're insulting your, uh, your target audience there. And I say, no, I'm the lazy man if there's any lazy man to be seen. But in reality, this is a Medicare guide for people who don't want to do the work of having to learn, memorize, uh, regurgitate a lot of complicated governmental information, statistics and rules and regulations. For that purpose, we have a book called Medicare for Dummies. That is for non-lazy people. That's over 400 pages of Medicare facts and figures and regulations, and most of those will never apply to anybody in this audience. Therefore, I suggest you leave Medicare for Dummies on my shelf, because I use it for research occasionally, and purchase my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, because after a fairly short read, you're going to find yourself to become a Medicare expert. And you didn't even know or want to have that happen, but it's so painless that you won't realize it. You will have become a Medicare expert by virtue of having read my book. Now, you can read my book by purchasing it at uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. And if you go to one of those two sites and search Medicare for the Lazy Man. Then you want to look for the book that has the green 2022 on the cover because it is, uh, that is the current edition. I'm working on the 2023 edition as we speak. So buy that book. You can buy a hardcover. You can buy a paperback. You can buy a Kindle ebook. You can buy an Audible or an audio book. And uh, any of those four permutations of my book will have all the Medicare knowledge that most people will ever need. And as I say, after a short encounter with a book, you're going to know more than almost anybody you know about Medicare. You will now be an expert. So, and uh, another expert, because he gets a free book every year, is Randy Carson, who uh, helps me make this podcast sound a lot better than it would 
And he is uh, the only flaw he has that I can tell is that when he gets his free book, he gives it away to somebody. Somehow people persuade him to give it up. What the heck is that all about? I don't know. You know, I, I spend a lot of time talking about, you know, what you and I do on this podcast and in particular the services that you offer. And they and it always comes down to the, the book, you know. Uh, the book is a very, very good vehicle for people to learn something about Medicare, enough to get their way through the process. And what they don't pick up out of the book or they want to reconfirm, Doug is always there, ready, willing, and able to communicate with you. And that's part of what he enjoys doing is helping people. But the family members that know what I do as related to Medicare and Medicare for the Lazy Man, they stand around like locusts waiting for me to get my free copy. And they go, hey, Randy, did, did you get did Doug give you that free copy yet? Well, no. Well, when he does, would you let me know? I, I just want to borrow it and look at it. A- ask me how many of those, Doug, that I've ever gotten back. How many of those have you ever gotten back, Randy? Zero. Oh, boy, you've either got a bunch of leeches for relatives or they know you're a soft touch and they know you can't say no. You're just a boy I, who can't say no, as we I'm, used to say I'm, back in Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm I'm a soft touch uh, for my friends and family. Otherwise, not so much. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, long story short is I, I, I really am uh, anxious to get the word out because I see so many people, you know, they're confused, they're they're concerned, they're they're to some point scared going into this Medicare business because they don't understand the process. And it is so easy for people that you and I disagree with vehemently, the Medicare advantage zombies oh, boy. to get to get at them. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're victims until they learn how to defend themselves. And that's the cool thing about the book. If I could give it away and pay for it in increased business as an insurance agent for people that uh, uh, need help, then I would do that. But I just can't uh, right now afford to educate everybody in the United States that needs the education. So that's uh, I charge as little as I can get away with to break even on the book because some people will come and ask me to be their insurance agent. Once they understand what is needed to protect yourself at the minimum cost available, that's what makes a good client. Having read the book, when they come to me and say, would you be my agent? I say, absolutely. They already kind of know what the right thing to do is, and I don't have to do a sales job on them and explain a lot of stuff. So it turns out to be a very copacetic relationship uh, very often. And talk about copacetic stuff. Uh, boy, have I got a stack here. My chocolate milk stuck together paperwork. Slowly the stack is shrinking. The more episodes we record, the more chocolate milk stained paper I'm going to be able to get rid of. They dumped and, over. You know, most people say, oh, my dog ate it. But instead, Doug, blame. who do you blame for tipping the chocolate milk over? I blame myself. There was something invisible on the desk. I set my chocolate <laughs> milk down, and it was all of a sudden on the edge of a cliff, and it fell over and soaked everything. If I had a dog, the dog would be licking the paper, and yeah. maybe that would have been a good way to clean it up. Yeah, the problem with Doug's chocolate milk-stained notes is – after they dry in the Arizona heat for, you know, I don't know, a couple of days, it sounds like he's over there carving through 
stacks of papyrus. Yes, absolutely. It's they stick together, and frankly, it's like the Egyptians were here and decided to uh, give me some of their their uh, paper to write cuneiform uh, symbols on or something. Yeah, yeah, and well, in the back, right behind him, you know, on his back uh, back desk, there he does have. He does have a wax tablet. So, you know, there you go. (laughs) Oh, listen, I'm here to announce some beautiful news, Randy. We have been depressing each other with our small talk about the political situation, but I want to share some really, really good news. You may recall in a, a few episodes ago that I suggested that it's downright unpatriotic and kind of stupid for the military in other words, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard, to mandate vaccines for COVID and coronavirus uh, to uh, force service members who are otherwise giving up some of their freedom and their uh, uh, activities, their opportunity for financial success in order to defend us and to make this country strong, we mandate that they take this vaccine that may or may not be a health hazard and that may or may not be effective whatsoever. And we say, get out of the service if you're not willing to take the vaccine. I railed about this a few episodes ago, and I'm proud to see a headline today in an article that I was going to read. This My milk-stained article says, Democrats to allow rollback of military COVID vaccine mandate. And I thought, well, that's fantastic. Finally, somebody took a smart pill because our valiant and uh, patriotic men and women in uniform should not be forced to leave the service because they either have a religious or a health complaint or they don't want to take the risk of this particular vaccine. God knows we shoot them all up with uh, many other uh, drugs that will protect them in foreign lands and so forth. But this thing is unproven, actually proven ineffective in many uh, quarters. And so I am so happy to see that some of the Democrats have uh, come to their senses and that they do not intend to force military uh, personnel to continue to either choose between taking the vaccine against their will or leaving the service. Not everybody feels that way, but why should we force any of them to take that vaccine that is uh, voluntary. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Okay, so having enjoyed that and placed it over on my non-milk-stained garbage pile, uh, now I see the next headline. It's a mistake to repeal the COVID vax mandate for military, according to the White House. Now, this would be Let's Go Brandon's White House, I'm pretty sure. So what they're doing is they're fighting the realistic Democrats in Congress or arguing with them, differing uh, in opinion, by uh, saying that, no, we're not going to get rid of that mandate. We're going to make sure that the uh, troops are forced to become inoculated against something with a uh, viral or an antiviral uh, vaccination that may or may not work that may or may not give them medical problems. And frankly, uh, they're going to force them to leave the service rather than allow them to make up their own minds about whether they want to take the vaccine. That's kind of a depressing state of affairs. So let's go on to something a little more happy, a little more positive, shall we? Statins have another trick. Now, statin drugs have been available to help ward off heart disease for quite some time. 
my personal doctor tells me to take statins, even though my, um, my, uh, uh, blood, not blood sugar. What do, what do statins do? Randy, uh, they keep your blood, your, um, it's a blood thinner, isn't it? No, statins are uh, an anti. Oh God, what is the? There's a high density and low density. Oh, cholesterol. Cholesterol. That's right, anti-cholesterol. I should have done some preparation before this recording started. Yes, statins fight cholesterol. They apparently hold down the bad cholesterol and uh, enhance the good cholesterol. I'm guessing, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that's how they work, but statin drugs, there's been a lot of research lately and they say that statins really are, uh, promoting good health. And my, uh, cardiologist said this to me, he said, even though your cholesterol level is very, very low, you're look, you know, you look like the picture of health. Um, it's good to force it even lower. So he said, I want you to take statin drugs unless you have a reason not to. And there are a lot of different statin drugs. Well, <laughs> my my loving spouse has a reason not to. When she tried to take statin drugs, because her cholesterol level is very high, uh, it turns out the statin drugs make her retarded. She said she would, when she was on statin drugs, she would get up in the morning figure out how to make a cup of coffee. It was like the first time she saw the coffee pot every morning. And so she would have to learn how to make coffee. And then she would sit down and just stare off into space. Now that is not like her. She's normally very, uh, very active and mentally uh, right on top of things. Excuse me. But the uh, statin drugs robbed her of her uh, IQ. You know, many IQ points were subtracted from her uh, chart. So, for her, statins were not a good idea. For me, statins, you know, don't have that particular side effect. So this article says statins have another trick, decreasing the risk of the deadliest type of strokes. Statins are already known to be a useful tool to lower the risk of stroke due to blood clots. But now new data show that they are also good at lowering the risk of stroke from intercerebral hemorrhage which CNN, why would they quote CNN? What a bunch of losers. CNN calls that the deadliest kind of stroke. Other news includes mel new melanoma immunotherapies and more. So here's a list of articles, but uh, one of them says statin lowers the risk of one of the deadliest kinds of strokes a study finds. I'm glad there was a study involved. Um, and then uh, the, in the landmark study, Cell therapy exceeds expectations in melanoma patients. Well, I used to live in the sun, and I am paying for that now with uh, several, uh, you know, uh, types of uh, you know, basal cell and uh, squamous cell carcinoma having been found on my epidermis. Um, every trip to the uh, dermatologist is just an exercise in fun and games, but. Apparently, melanoma, which is always going to be a scary diagnosis, and I have not had that diagnosis yet, uh, this therapy, new therapy, is going to be more effective than anything we've had to fight melanoma to date. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, NBC News, uh, noted liars in most cases. The results of Phase three clinical trial published on Wednesday in the New England Journal of Medicine showed that the treatment, which uses a super-concentrated boost of the person's own immune cells was more effective than the leading existing treatment 
at putting patients into remission. So I think that's pretty good. I'm uh, excited about that. Melanoma is just uh, like a, a landmine that lays there in wait, and it waits and waits, and decades after you've uh, entered the area where the landmine is, it might go off and take you out. So hopefully this will continue to be an improved treatment for melanoma. And CMS, the government agency that can't figure out how to properly spell their own acronym, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. It should be CMMS. They dropped an M, so they call themselves CMS. They're thinking about mandating electronic prior authorization systems by the year 2026. Prior authorization, that is the managed care mandate or the element of managed care that causes so much angst within people who have Medicare Advantage plans. Because one of the things that happens in a Medicare Advantage plan, if you and your doctor decide that you need a a certain type of treatment, you will not have that treatment paid for by your insurance until somebody approves it. And it won't be your doctor. It will be somebody else who actually waves the magic wand and gives you uh, permission to have a medical treatment that your doctor has already said that you probably need and that you've already agreed that you need. So that's one of the two things that really irritate people in Medicare Advantage plans. The other one being um, utilization review. So those two things cause a lot of angst when people say, I want to get a treatment. I want to have my nose hairs clipped. And uh, the insurance plan says, well, we're not going to pay for that until we assess the need and the possible benefit of that. In other words, will it be um, effective and do you really need it or will it be superfluous? So your doctor sits there and waits and waits and waits your insurance plan. Bean counters will then examine the potential cost, uh, whether they really care enough about your welfare to want to have your nose hairs clipped and will it actually be effective in solving whatever problem your nose hairs are causing. So that is what, uh, prior authorization is it is the way by which you beg for permission from your Medicare Advantage plan, and then they will grant you permission or they will withhold permission. Now, what happens if they withhold their permission to have your nose hairs clipped? You've got two choices. Continue living with the horrible problem that your nose hairs are causing, or you can have your nose hairs clipped and pay for it yourself. You won't be able to get your insurance company to pay the cost of that treatment that you have been told that you want to have or that you should have. So it is um, the type of thing that uh, is often an anathema to freedom of choice. And that's why I advise all of my clients that a Medicare supplement is the only way to go because there is no such thing as prior authorization or utilization review. It is not managed care. It is a uh, much more free exercise with respect to you and your doctor deciding what your treatment should be. So this proposed rule that uh, CMS is thinking about calls for Medicare Advantage, Medicaid, and some other health insurance exchanges to update prior authorization processes. Among the potential mandates are for payors, that's the insurance plans, to respond to urgent requests within 72 hours. 
They have to justify denials and report decisions. Well, okay, those are nice goals. Will they be achieved? I don't know. But the one way I can tell you to uh, avoid them completely, and then you don't even have to worry about whether they'll achieve these goals or not, is buy an insurance plan that doesn't have uh, managed care, prior authorization, or utilization review. So here's a publication, Modern Healthcare, Health Insurers Prior Authorization Rules Proposed by CMS. The regulation would require Medicare Advantage, Medicaid, and health insurance exchange carriers. That pretty much says the same thing. I don't know whether they'll actually enact that proposal. I don't know whether they will enact and uh, continue to uh, successfully uh, trim down the angst and unhappiness caused by prior authorization and utilization review, or whether they'll fall flat on their faces as they have so many other times. But I once again suggest that people do not buy a plan that includes managed care elements, because what you've got then is a bunch of lawyers and bean counters managing your care, not your doctor or your uh, uh, consultants, the people you consult with. So what do we have here? I may have mentioned during a prior podcast episode that the New York Supreme Court reinstated employees of the city of New York who were fired because of their COVID-19 vaccine mandate. And uh, they ordered them uh, to be reinstated in their jobs and paid back pay. Now I read that the Alliance Defending Freedom is petitioning the Supreme Court to protect New York City employees from discriminatory COVID-19 vaccine mandates. I don't know what to believe anymore. Conflicting articles here. So that New York thing that I reported before may not be accurate. And one more little article before we uh, pack up and and uh, return to our homes is uh, the CDC the Centers for Disease Control, these are the mask Nazis who insisted that everybody should wear a mask the rest of their lives and never, ever take it off, even to eat or drink. The CDC relaxes opioid guidelines, giving doctors more flexibility to treat pain. Generally speaking, I think that's a good idea when doctors are given more flexibility. The CDC is updating and clarifying its 2016 guidance on opioid prescribing that many doctors and patients say led to untreated or undertreated pain. The new 100-page roadmap, 100 pages to loosen up on the doctor's uh, guidance, 100-page roadmap est- uh, emphasizes greater flexibility for physicians in handling acute or post-surgical care, as well as for treating chronic pain. So I think that freedom is generally a good thing when they uh, clamp down on these doctors. It's generally a result of a few bad apples. And everybody has to suffer when a few bad apples cause the government to clamp down. The government shouldn't be clamping down on people. But um, here's an example of the, uh, the high security with which opioid prescriptions uh, were scrutinized. Uh, Mary went to a... Um, pharmacy after her knee surgery and uh, the the uh, opioids that were the oxycodone that was provided to her at the surgical center she came home with and i helped her make sure that she took her pills at the right times and you know when she finally got real low on the pills but she was able to kind of walk by herself she went to the pharmacy and said she wanted a prescription filled and the pharmacist said 
Um, let's see now, looking at your records, uh, you've, uh, your prescription calls for 20 pills, but we have to override that and only give you 10 of these oxycodone pills. And, uh, Mary said, well, that's crazy. Why would you limit my, uh, prescription dosage? And, uh, they said, because, you know, we don't want people, uh, getting hooked on oxy. And so then another pharmacist behind the counter said, wait a minute, let me ask you why you're taking these. And she said, because I had knee replacement alert listeners of this uh, podcast are going to remember all the episodes we devoted to the knee replacement preparation and then recovery instructions. And so she said, I had knee replacement surgery like six weeks ago or something. And they said, oh, well, then you're okay. So they just took her word for it. Now, admittedly, she doesn't look like a teenager, uh, gum gum snapping, uh, uh, you know, finger uh, snapping teenager. She uh, looks more mature than uh, maybe a lot of oxycodone uh, um, people who are strung out. <laughs> but uh, they were only going to give her 10 pills. And they said, oh, well, since you've had surgery, they didn't look at her knees to see if it was a lie or not. They just said, oh, okay, we'll give you the full 20 pills. And she doesn't even like taking the stuff anyway, so there was no danger of her being strung out on oxycodone. But it was irritating to her to be questioned about her medical history by a couple of pharmacists. Uh, you know, just give me the damn pills. My doctor prescribed them. Uh, you give them to me. I want the pain to go away. Well, it worked out okay, but I just thought it was an interesting uh, transaction that she had to go through at the uh, pharmacy counter in this particular part of a chain of pharmacies, uh, you know, countrywide, nationwide chain. So anyway, I'm seeing by the old clock on the wall that we're running out of time, Randy. I should probably clam it up for today. What do you think? We are running out of time. It's uh through the sands of the hourglass that oh no that's a whole different story yeah it is a soap opera isn't it yes yes it is well i was going to say just one thing i was going to uh tell you about the uh the i I, i've learned to mimic a medicare disadvantage uh, management person at the company i've I've learned to mimic them (laughs) please do give me an example and and i i just thought i'd say no no no. Oh, how, how was that? That was pretty good. That that made me hurt because my pain would not be relieved by your or relieved by your uh, uh, refusal to give me the drug that I need. Yeah, just say no. I, I of course I I don't want to use that phrase because that's associated with someone else. But yeah. uh, I, I I don't want a twenty two year old that just graduated from college making calls on my medical care. I just don't. Well, there you go. And uh, now we're going, we're hearkening back to the uh, utilization review, the people who either confer permission or uh, refuse permission for medical treatment that you and your doctor have decided that uh, you need and you want to have. It's the bean apparently, counters. Yeah, apparently a bean counter uh, counts more than a physician that has been through how many years of training and internship and actually knows what he's talking about? Yeah. And, you know, I think it was about a year, maybe a year and a half ago when we uh, thoroughly delved into the um, the legal action that was being taken against people who uh, were unable to get treatment. So they would uh, appeal. They would follow the appeals process. And then we find out that the insurance company 
the insurance companies would go, oh, just kidding. We'll pay for it. That's right. So it was, a, yeah, it was some like amazingly high percentage that if you appeal, they say, oh, wow, we were we were totally wrong. Let's go for it. So then the common sense person says, well, why would they even go through that exercise of denying and then and then rolling over and saying, okay, we'll pay for it? Because something like 80% of the people who uh, filed the appeal or who could have filed an appeal didn't. They just went away right. and never. Only a small percentage right. appealed, and then the insurance companies rolled over and, and gave them all permission to have their procedures virtually all. Yep. Yeah, and so I'm not going to bother explaining what that means to the audience because I think all of our audience are relatively sharp people and know exactly what that points to. But having said that, we need to land the plane. We have overstayed our rent. We don't want to lose our, you know, our license here on the podcast world. So anyway, long story short is uh, there, I think we've covered all the wrap ups. You know, Doug talked about the books. Mm -hmm. Doug talked about the audios, the mm -hmm. Kindles and all I that talk good a lot stuff. Of, I've been yakking a lot lately. But don't forget to find somewhere to offer us five stars because that makes our life a lot easier in the podcast rating world. And uh, we do need ratings. Otherwise, you know, we just don't look like we're up at the top like we always have been. We're the top. We uh, Now, this will be a, a kind of a curiosity point to leave with people. Doug has Doug's podcast has been the top, really one of the top three in travel logs, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Apparently, people that drive around in RVs enjoy our podcast. I don't know why. Oh, no, it was the purchasing of the book. It wasn't the podcast. Oh, okay. All right. I got you. It was the book. Yep. And uh, that might be just as mysterious, but we'll leave it at that. Yes. Well, thank you all for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. We, uh, you know, you could have been a hundred different places, but you were with us spending a few minutes of your day listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And we certainly appreciate it. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He's up in the nosebleed section behind Cave Creek, Arizona, hanging out in his fortress of solitude with his binoculars. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>